0: back, I'm pushing the A here. Back in our nation's capital, the District of Columbia. My apologies for what happened with chapter 32 and 33, both of which I recorded and then promptly didn't upload. Um, So here's what you need to know. The New Deal happened. People kind of got jobs again. Roosevelt tried to pack the courts and failed. And the United States went from isolationism to cautious involvement because they were worried about the British to total involvement because they were really worried about the British. And cautious involvement also involved appeasement. On the bright side, you missed a lot of Hampton In jokes. We're gonna cover all of chapter 34 in this podcast, which is World War II. Really an eternal bop, if you think about it. <laughs> you have the Allies, the Axis, Italy, Ethiopia, Egypt, all those good, good countries. Before we go, I'd like to thank Imagine Dragons, the best band potentially in the history of ever. For providing the intro music here. Alright. We're gonna start with some odds and ends that I did think uh I missed in the past two backslash. I have that guy interview and guess what? This is for me, not for you. It's what I said at the beginning. Um with the depression, imperialism died. Um so Roosevelt was really happy to lose uh the liability he had in the Philippines. Um And generally, FDR says, you know what, it's time to just leave Asia overall. Um, So the United States keeps their Navy bases, um, but leaves uh, the Philippines generally on some pretty crummy economic terms. Japan's pretty pumped about this. Um, Also, labor had been unhappy with low-wage Filipinos coming in and taking jobs, and sugar companies hate competition. So the Tidings-McDuff Act of 1934 says the Philippines will have independence by 1946. They need about a decade and change to get ready um also fdr recognizes the soviet union um in the early 30s um they are a little worried about uh communism and they're a little worried about catholicism but generally trade and world power counterweights to the rising nationalist power in west europe uh outweigh any other concerns which is setting up a very interesting decade or four ahead united states also installs a new good neighbor policy so they're happy to be your friendly regional power um the caribbean is not paying off uh any investment any involvement there is not paying off and fdr wants latin america on a slide So he takes an anti-Teddy Roosevelt interpretation of the Monroe Doctrine and really endorses non-intervention. So there's less money uh, in Latin America, less American money. Uh, Generally, the country's economic aggressiveness goes down in that area. The Marines leave Haiti. Cuba is released from much of the Platt amendments. Uh, The United States does keep Guantanamo Bay, which it still holds to this day, South America likes the United States a lot more, and they love, love FDR for this. Um, The Mexican government takes American oil in 1938. FDR manages to avoid a fight there. He also relaxes his grip on Panama a little bit. Just a little bit. It's late. Um, Other major thing you should know about Latin America. um, Good neighborism is a popular... um, A popular strategy. So with this in mind, the United States removes the worst of the Holly Smoot tariff. They installed a reciprocal policy, um, which basically is trade is a two-way street, you can only sell what you can buy, and tariff hurts that, and Secretary of State Hull hates high tariffs. Um and he also thinks that trade wars beget real uh wars with blood and violence, and he doesn't like those. So in 1934, the Reciprocal Trade Agreement Act um, which serves as relief and recovery, um, which you would have heard more about if you know chapters thirty-two and thirty-three had gone up. Um, low tariff um, established and trade is lifted up. Um, FDR also has the ability to lower rates fifty percent uh, if the other country agrees to do the same. There's no Senate involved, so no lobbyists can get in the way of it. Twenty-one countries uh, renegotiate their tariff by nineteen forty. Trade goes up. Uh, relations with Latin Americans go up. High tariffs from the Civil War are finally, finally, finally gone. And free trade. You can start seeing the outlines of free trade in American economic policy. This snack break brought to you by Ciders. Have Hanover old time pretzel. Hmm. Okay. Honing in on World War II. Um, post Pearl Harbor some people are saying the United States needs to go get Japan first ignore all of Europe Um, but the United States signs um, the ABC1 agreement with the British that says we need to go get Germany first so the US says um, we're going to go for Germany first and it makes sense because if they Go for Japan first. Um... Hitler will really overrun the rest of Europe. So the name of the game is just divert Japan for long enough, and then you can go and get back what you lost later. The Allies can win. They have the men, they have the resources, they have the, um, manufacturing ability, but they need time. Um... Because they need to build up their manufacturing strength, and they need to build up their ability. Um... So they look good on paper, but it's a team that needs to gel, um, if we want to use the full baseball analysis. Um, but once they go full throttle, they're very difficult to beat. However, they nearly spent too long getting ready and getting sort of all synced up and they nearly lost the battle. Um so they spent a lot of time retooling to produce, um, and the question is how do we hold up in the meantime? Um, it's a much more complex and nuanced situation than World War One, and the United States has to do way more itself. Um, and they're sending food, and they're sending help, and they're sending men, and they're sending materials all around the world, and they're responsible for everyone from Australia to China to England to their own, their own fate. Um, as a function of war, as war often does do this, uh, national unity goes up, and anti-Axis sentiment goes up. Um... Immigration has been down in the past few years, Um, so ethnic groups are being assimilated um, through this because everyone's an American instead of, I'm a Polish American, or I'm an Italian American, it's, I'm an American, let's beat the crap out of the Axis. Um, Except for the Japanese. Um, There's about 110,000 Japanese Americans, full-blown Americans, uh, that are sent to concentration camps. Uh, two-thirds of them are citizens. Uh, this is from executive order number 9066, um, which really I think the Roosevelt administration, the second Roosevelt administration, has two dark spots. Um, the first way less serious is their court packing crisis, and the second is this mass incarceration of a race. Um, it's not comparable to the Holocaust. Uh, the Holocaust was the mass murder of um an ethnic group and it was systematically killing them and this was detainment and this was still unconstitutional and not okay um important to differentiate doesn't mean they couldn't both be still horrid they couldn't both still be horrible um the new deal has been completely decimated by a new conservative congress um dr new deal to quote the president is replaced by dr win the war um World War Two is not an idealistic crusade. It's not like World War One where we're fighting for democracy. World War Two is a fight for the future of the United States, and they want to win. It is not about saving democracy. Um, no, n- not a lot of people know what they're fighting for. Um, so, function of that is people are willing to make these rash decisions like supporting Japanese internment um, and because of that people lose their basic rights and their property and in 1944 the Supreme Court actually says yeah the constitution says this is okay and then turns their head the other way in Korematsu versus the United States uh, in 1988 uh, a new ruling says that $20,000 per survivor will be awarded Um, which is not nothing but it's kind of close to nothing Um, in terms of the Emotional stress and duress that must have caused um, the Civilian Conservation Corps and the Works Progress Administration and all of those good things are removed by the newly conservative Congress that came in in nineteen thirty-eight. Um, other countries and the United States put in about a hundred billion dollars in war orders for goods. Um, all of the American, all of America's industrial capacity is in use. Um, so that helps the economy a lot. The War Production Board oversees the production of 40 billion bullets, 300,000 planes, and similar amounts of ships and tanks and guns. Henry Kaiser is a very well-known shipbuilder. Um, synthetic rubber is invented. Um, the WPB War Production Board also limits car stuff, um, for the purpose of rubber and gas. So, there are max speeds, not because it's unsafe, but because, um... it means that things get used more slowly. Um, So there's also this mass investment in, because, you know, the United States is only responsible for feeding... um, The... They're responsible for feeding basically the entire world, uh, the entire democratic world at this point. Um, Sorry. And... They need to invest. So fertilizer gets big improvements, machines get big improvements, farm efficiency goes way up. It's um a one billion barrel wheat crop. Inflation goes up, employment goes up, um there are still somehow fewer goods. The office price administration is established to set prices. Um they also put uh regulations and rations on meat and butter in the National War Labor, Labor Board, um, just to make sure that people could still inflation doesn't price people out of this stuff, um, they have a increase on wage, a ceiling on wage increases, um, which pisses off labor, understandably. All right, sorry, Texas, um, primary results coming in, and the Democrats managed to screw it up, which is lovely. Um... In June 1943, the Smith-Connolly Anti-Strike Act is passed, which basically says federal government forces can seize any industry they so choose, and a strike at an industry run by the federal government is a crime. Uh, the government takes over coal and railroad strikes don't really do any damage to the war cause, so. Let's talk men and women. Um, 50 million men and 216,000 women enroll in the armed services. Uh, for the women, there's the, women army corps, the Women's Army Corps, the WAC, WAC, the WAVES. The woman, um, the woman accounting for volunteer emergency service may be a woman accredited. It's a woman ACC, don't know. They're in the Navy. There's the SPARS, which are women's reserves in the U.S. Coast Guard. Um, men are plucked for the Army from pretty much everywhere, except for a few certain industries. So a lot of farm categories and industrial categories are exempt because those are needed. Um, but nonetheless some of them are plucked so um industrial and agricultural labor uh finds itself in a shortage uh in comes the bracero program um where you have thousands of mexicans um basically making the trip over the border um to go work in the west earn the western <laughs> agricultural business and this lasts for about 20 years past the war um you also see a lot of women in factories. Six million of them get jobs. Many of them are moms, so the federal government gets involved in daycares. Um, many want to stay working when the war ends. Most of them go home. Um, two-thirds of them, to be exact. One half of them quit. Um, comparing that, though, to the Soviet Union or Great Britain, um, fewer women are involved, mainly because a lot fewer men in the American country. American country. Doing great, guys. <laughs> in the United States, um, are dying and losing jobs and are being plucked for war. <clears throat> so, um, many people in the armed forces, uh, in the armed forces don't go home after, uh, World War Two. Um, others who do come home displaced women in jobs, or they're sucked into these new industrial capitals of Los Angeles and Detroit and Seattle and Baton Rouge. California gets about a 2 million person influx, and the South has some huge changes because in 1938, FDR gave about $6 billion uh, worth of federal industrial defense contracts to former Confederate states. Um, However, in the meantime, 1.6 million uh, African Americans are going north or going west for jobs at these war plants in the middle of the war, um, which really turns race into the national issue because segregation is suddenly something in practice. Um, not in theory. Um, and so people have to figure out how do we deal with housing? How do we deal with employment? How do we deal with water fountains? Somehow, believable, unbelievably. Um, a. Philip Randolph um, leads the Negro March on Washington, um, basically asking for equal opportunity in war jobs. Um, the phrase double victory comes up a lot. FDR puts out an executive order saying that you cannot discriminate in the defense industry, and he establishes the Fair Employment Practices Commission. Um, with this mass northern migration and the FEPC, the Fair Employment Practices Commission, the equality struggle sees a rise again. The phrase double victory. Um, some African Americans are drafted mainly for service, not for combat. uh, in large part because the blood banks are segregated. Um, you also see organizations like the NAACP on the rise and the Congress, um, of. Racist equality. I think it's a Congress for racist equality. For race equality would make the most sense. There's something where it's a Congress and it's got equality and one word involving race in a minute. And uh, it's established in 1942. Um, you see the mechanical cotton picker introduced, which is really about as revolutionary as a cotton gin. But the country's moved away from the uh, cotton industry a lot more. So you don't hear a lot about it. But um, more and more... Black people go from the South to the North because uh, you don't need this labor. Um, So you see about 5 million tenant farmers and sharecroppers go North between 1945 and 1975. And by 1970, more than one half of Black Americans are outside of the South. Um, So again, tensions going up. Um, Some Native Americans are leaving reservations to find work in the cities or to fight. Um, And by 2000, you're going to see half of Native Americans in cities compared to 1940, where you have 90% on reservations. You'll see 25,000 Native Americans in the armed forces. Also, uh, the Comanches and the Navajo work as code talkers um, to create their own codes for World War II, because the Japanese and the Germans don't know how to uh, understand their language. Um, You also see these race riots uh, as a function of all these new immigrants moving into these new neighborhoods and new cities. Um, so in California, there's a race riot between um, people who are not Mexican and people who are Mexican. And in Detroit, you see a black-white race riot. Um, More on the home front. Um, Americans don't really feel the burden of the war, other than people going off to fight it or changing jobs. The United States is safe. They're out of um, debt. Their gross national product goes up by about $100 billion. Corporate profits double. Um, if they are seeing any changes, are benefits, where you're seeing government housing being installed in daycare um, and concern for public health and funding for scientific research at universities, um, which is a hundred—the government's giving hundreds of millions of dollars um, for the purpose of—wages uh, are going up. Disposable income is more than doubling. Um— Macy's does its biggest day of sales ever in relative to the time in uh nineteen forty four on the third anniversary of Pearl Harbor. Um unemployment almost entirely gone, uh compared to where it was in the Great Depression. And the economy is now really a military based economy. Um war is gonna cost Three hundred thirty billion dollars. Three fifths of that still going to have to be borrowed. Um, nineteen forty six price controls are lifted. Um, by nineteen forty eight, prices of everyday goods are going up by as much as thirty three percent. And when you look at that from the objective standpoint. Um, you know i'm not going i'm going to level with you i have no idea what that that says ahead of oh of europe in eu and something it's ahead of europe um in something um the government is definitely influencing home life um as i mentioned earlier where they've got rations and armed forces and the defense industry are employing millions and you have the um fepc um and the nwlb monitoring work um the nwlb of course standing for it because i remember this uh, the national war labor board um so yeah back to the government housing daycare thing um when I said the war cost under $3 billion, um, it's notable that that was 10 times uh, the cost of World War I and two times all previous spending. Um, the income tax goes way up um, where 90% becomes the max rate, um, which is a little insane. Um, not something you see too often. So, Japan had an opportunity to deliver a knockout blow to the U.S. had they come onto American soil. Um, They decided to take it slow. It was a mistake. Um, They instead go attack Guam, Wake, the Philippines, Hong Kong, and British Malaya. Um, They need resources, so they cut off Burma and American munitions to China, um, hoping maybe for some help somewhere else. Don't really know how it relates. Um, it just means that the United States has to fly its munitions into China. So Japan then goes south into the Dutch East Indies. Um, they beat the Living Daylights out of British-American, Australian-Netherland—by-netherland, Netherland, I mean Dutch—forces. Um, uh, it's a smaller army, but super efficient. Um, they're slowed down in the Philippines for about five months. MacArthur leads an offensive at Bataan with about uh, with 20,000 Americans and a whole lot more poorly, poorly traded poorly trained Filipinos, um, where everyone's basically trading their lives for time. This is in 1942. Um the last five months, uh, and then eventually they lose. MacArthur evacuates, he says, I'll be back. Um, and the baton death march to prisoner of war camps occur. Japan then takes Kore Korajidor, Korijador, don't know how to pronounce it. I should. I apologize. Um Japan continues to push south into New Guinea and the Solomon Islands, and they're beginning to threaten Australia. So the United States stops them in the Coral Sea in a carrier based aircraft fight. It's the first of its kind. So Japan then goes to Midway at the Battle of the Midway from June third to the sixth, and the US holds them off. Um they lose the Japanese lose three carriers, uh the United States stops them. And Chester Nimitz and Admiral Ray Sprints are some names of some military people that did good good military things um the Japanese then go and get Kiska and Natu which are islands near Alaska um which is scary to the U.S. because that's almost a direct front onto U.S. soil if they want it to be but it's overstretching the Japanese pretty pretty broadly um eventually the Americans are going to take Guadalcanal um which protects the American-Australian lifeline the United States is low on supplies and Japan is invading Guadalcanal. So the United States does not take all of Guadalcanal, but they take some of it because, and that protects the Australian pipeline, but Japan, the Japanese are invading. So the Japanese, um... Hold on, hold on. Okay, New Guinea. The United States has a piece of New Guinea. Uh, They already took Guadalcanal. That protects the United States American lifeline. They take a piece of New Guinea to protect Australia even more. Um... However, the Japanese are invading, the Americans are low on supplies. They have this small piece in the southeast. Um, the Navy moves to a strategy of leapfrogging uh, Japanese islands in the Pacific, not fortified um, posts, uh, but instead sort of getting their supplies, um, and that'll cut off any potential invasion. It works. The Japanese eventually give up um The book does a bad job of explaining this. I do a bad job of explaining this. At some point, um, the Japanese lose 20,000 men. America loses 1.7,000 men. Um, Yes, they take all of New Guinea by destroying Japanese supply ships, and then they go through the jungle, and then they capture the entire thing in August 1944, which is the beginning of MacArthur's victory, march back through the Philippines. Um, They get the islands, they create some airfields, um, and they attack more supplies from there, and it continues to sort of snowball itself. Nimitz leads the charge. um, From May and August, um, the Americans get Atu and Kiska back in November 1943. Um, Terawa and Makin fall, which are important. Uh, The Marshall Islands fall in January and February of 1944. Also important islands. Just know that America's main strategy was island hopping, and you're mainly going to be fine, is... My good good piece of advice for you, as we hit the nineteen minute mark of this segment um, so as the Americans leapfrog into the Marianas in Guam, the United States uses um, bases to launch b twenty nine super bombers to attack their home islands as well as the Marianas, um, which leads to the great Mariana Turkey shoot should, should mention that the Americans don 't have the Marianas. At this point, it's really—the book, I didn't understand, and I've read it four times. So um the Great Mariana Turkey shoot occurs anyway. So uh, the Hellcat fighters and anti-aircraft destroy 250 Japanese airplanes. Only 29 American planes are lost. And at the Battle of the Philippine Sea, um they down a couple of Japanese carriers. Um And that's really something that's very difficult to recover from. And so the Japanese moves into the Japanese soldiers move into a mode of resistance and mass suicide, um, and kamikaze piloting. Um. By July and August, the Americans have reached major islands. Um, by pulling they're bombing the living daylights out of Tokyo in November nineteen forty four, and it kills about eighty five thousand people. All right, switching to Europe. This is gonna be a long episode, folks. Um, Germany releases some sub-wolf packs in the North Atlantic and the Caribbean and the Gulf of Mexico. They down about 500 merchants, uh, 11, in June alone. Um, so convoys are being helped out with new technology, like air patrols and, um, why depth bomb? Low depth bomb, depth bombs. They are depth. They're bombs that are below. That's what you got to know, and radar and sub base bombing. And the slogan of the time is "Keep them sailing." Um. Is around the time that the British cracked the Enigma code, so they can pinpoint U boats. Um, and the Allies uh, are able to advance sort of through the Atlantic front by spring nineteen forty three. They have to have the Atlantic. Um, if you have the Atlantic, you have Britain. And if you have Britain, then you can have a second front. If you have a separate front, you have the USSR on your side, and if you have the USSR on your side, um, then you've got a you got a ball game. Um in 1942, um the British put a thousand planes on Cologne Colonnay with American help. They bombed some cities, um, German cities included. Um Marshall Okay, so this German Marshal Rahman um, nearly gets through to Egypt. The British General Montgomery wins at um, Il Alamein. I'm going to. I'm going to. All Alamein, maybe? Ill Alamein? I don't know. My. I should really. All Alamein. All Alamein. My handwriting's bad. My pronunciation's worse. Um, the Soviets, um, stopped the Germans at Stalingrad, um, the Soviets then start a counteroffensive in 1942, and they went about, they went back about two-thirds of the Soviet Union. Oof, this is really confusing and weird stuff. Um... The Soviets have lost millions of people, um, and Hitler has a lot of the western parts of uh, the USSR, and Anglo-American casualties are only in the thousands. Um, By the end, the USSR is going to lose 20 million people and tons of land. Um, So the USSR is basically begging for uh, the other two allies to distract the Germans with a second front. Um, FDR would like a diversion in France um, by 1942 and 1943. Um because he's worried about the USSR making separate peace with Germany and he promises them that they will have a second front by the end of 1942. He breaks that promises because the British have very fresh memories of World War One and invading that area and they say no. Um, so let's go to the Mediterranean and Northern Africa. Um, so 1942, Dwight Eisenhower leads a joint ally operation with about 400,000 men to trap the Germans and Italians in Tunisia. Um, they then invade Sicily. Um, they pressure Italy. Um USSR morale goes up by a little, but it's sort of an admission of weakness by the Americans that they can't really win the war at this time. They're not strong enough yet. Um they can really only offer words and the promise that they will start a second front eventually. Um FDR and Churchill meet in Casablanca in 1943. And they agree on two things. One, they need to step it up in the Pacific. And two, unconditional surrender. Um, meaning we will not accept anything but complete and total surrender, which might have steered the Japanese to some insane uh, resistance levels of resistance. Um, does basically force Germany to completely restart as a country. Sicily falls in August 1943. Uh, Italy falls in t- September 1943. Mussolini is gone. Um, continuing on the Italian bath, a lot of Italy falls, but Hitler decides to resist. Um, Italy declares war on Germany. Germany declares war back on Italy. On June 4th, 1944, Rome falls. The United States will make its invasion of France, uh, as will the British, two days later. Um, Italy takes until 1945 to fully be surrendered. Um, this opens up the Mediterranean, diverts the Germans, delays the Europe... Um, the European crusade and, um, there's a word here next to the USSR, but, um, I'm going to guess it's frustrated or further or relieved or something. The USSR does have a reaction to it. This much. I can tell you D day, um, the USSR is begging for a second front. Um, yeah, I still can't tell what it says in the last card um churchill stalin and f d r all meet in Tehran as well as the British the Americans and the chinese in um cairo and the general consensus that they make is okay it's time to attack Germany from both the east and the west and hold off the Japanese some more um so that's what they that's what churchill stalin and f d r decide uh between december November twentieth, and December first um, they pinpoint Normandy as a spot really to start the invasion of France um, on on June fifth, nineteen forty four. D-Day happens, uh, where forty six hundred boats are brought into the area. Germany resists. The Allies eventually win, and then from there the Allies start moving through France. Um, so they control. Um, the Allies control the air. They cripple the railroads and the gas lines, and any chance for the Germans to bring in reinforcements uh george Patton leads the way through france to germany germany retreats after um, american french forces go south um from the south to the northwest um and they get a lot of help from the french underground in paris um everything's moving um towards mainly towards germany um so the writing is on the wall for hitler um Pretty soon, Aachen, which is a major city in Germany, falls to the Americans. Right in the middle of this war, we have a nice little election. It'll time. Republicans nominate Thomas Dewey, liberal New York governor. He's young. He's a nice, He's anti-corruption. Um, J. W. Bricker is his pro-war vice presidential. Um, <coughs> his pro-war vice presidential candidate. Uh, FDR runs with Harry Truman from Missouri, who replaces Harry Wallace. Um, Truman ran the Committee on Wasteful War Spending. Um, Dewey um, basically runs on the campaign that the New Dealers are old and the New Deal is broken and I will fight the war better. And um, what if he runs for a fifth term or sixth term? FDR just says, I'm healthy. You're not going to switch. The CIO sort of starts getting around um, certain regulations that have been placed on least on um, beneficiaries of federal spending in elections, and they find a loophole, and they raise money for the Roosevelt campaign, and it's basically their slogan is, what were you doing in 1932? Roosevelt wins by about 3 million votes, 432 to 99. The war is going well, um, and ideally people want expertise for war and peace, um, which they will not get. They get Truman instead. He seems to do an okay job of it. Moving forward. Um, End of Hitler. In mid-December 1944, the Germans are struggling. Um, The Soviets um, uh, penetrate the east, and the Allies begin dropping these blockbuster bombings on cities and factories and transport lines. The western frontier for the Germans is really crumbling. Hitler launches a final attack on December 16th, 1944, Against the Americans in the Ardennes Force to get the Belgian city of Antwerp. The United States is driven back, so there's a bulge in their line. Uh, The 101st Airborne stops it. Um, The Germans preemptively call on the Americans to surrender, um, to which the Americans respond with nuts. Um, Reinforcements arrive, and um, the German offensive officially ends at the Battle of the Bulge. Um, miraculously, once Americans reached the Rhine River, one river remains. Um, Ike leads everyone to the Ilby River, and Americans and Russian soldiers clasp hands as they enter the final front of the worst war the world has ever seen. And then they find the Holocaust and the remains of the Holocaust. Um, America was pitifully slow to recognize what was going on. Um, they kept Jews from immigrating in um, they even wouldn't attack the railroads that the Germans were using for the purposes of transferring Jews to these concentration camps. Um, no one knew the extent, though. Um, no one knew how horrible this really was. Um, the Soviets then go to Berlin, where they pillage uh, and rape and capture from house to house. Hitler marries his mistress and kills himself on April 3rd. Uh, at FDR in Warm Springs, Georgia, on April 12th, dies of a cerebral hemorrhage. Truman takes the oath... Um, on May 7th, the Germans surrender. On May 8th, we have Victory in Europe Day. Japanese, on the other hand, take a little more time to figure things out. Um, the United States put some subs in the Pacific Ocean, and they go very hard at the Japanese merchant fleet. They destroy about 50% of it. Um, they also launch bomber attacks from Saipan and the Marianas, and cities in Tokyo specifically destroyed 85,000 people. Are killed two hundred fifty thousand buildings are destroyed between March and nine March 9th and March tenth nineteen forty five. Um, MacArthur, <coughs> excuse me, makes his way up to the Philippines with six hundred ships and two hundred fifty thousand men. Fights with the Japanese at Layette Gulf on October twenty third, uh, through October twenty sixth. Uh, it's really three separate battles and three separate wins for the Americans. They almost lost three times, but they won three times. The Japanese really have no more sea power, and the United States owns the Western Pacific. Um, so MacArthur starts a march from Luzon to Manila. Um, 60,000 Americans die in this march. Um, they do have the Philippines back by July, and then the United States continues to tighten its grip on Japan. Um, they capture Iwo Jima in one of the most gruesome battles um, of the war that kills 4,000 men in a very short period of time for repairs. They also capture Okinawa for these closer bases, that takes two months. It takes April to June, and fifty thousand casualties occur. Kamikazes also sink thirty American ships. So the war is taking a long time. The Japanese are really not showing any sign of wanting to give up. Um, so the Americans decide to prepare an all-out invasion of the Japanese, um, which they think will cause hundreds of thousands of casualties on both sides. At the Conference of Potsdam, or the Treaty of Potsdam in Berlin in 1945, um, (coughs) America basically issues a call to the Japanese, which is surrender or be destroyed. Uh, And They drop some leaflets on the Japanese and say something similar. Um, They also send peace feelers, the Japanese send peace feelers to Russia, basically saying, do you think it's possible to not have unconditional surrender? The answer is no. Um, Earlier in the 1940s, Einstein and other scientists had been pushing FDR on funding uh nuclear weapons. So F D R drops two billion on it because he doesn't want the Germans to get it first. Uh the Manhattan Project happens with British and refugee scientists. On july sixteenth, the first test occurs. On August sixteenth, the US drops the bomb on Hiroshima, killing one hundred and eighty thousand people all almost instantly. On August eighth, um Stalin and the USSR get wins in Manchuria and Korea and say enter the war on really the deadline for them to enter the war because they want a slice of Japanese Japanese still unwilling to move. On August ninth, the Americans drop the bomb on Nagasaki, killing another eighty thousand people. On August tenth, the Japanese come to the Americans saying, We will have peace if you can let us keep our emperor the Americans agree, um, and September 2nd, 1945, the Japanese surrender on the USS Missouri, uh, aka Victory in Japan Day. Um, so, the United States has 1 million casualties, um, about 333,000 Americans die. Wounds and disease cost less deaths than in the past, thanks to modern medicine. USSR has about 25 million casualties, more of them civilians and soldiers. Um, Other than a couple minor submarine attacks on California and Oregon United States land holds, the rest of the world is completely trash. The United States fought the best war of their existence. They prepared early. They knew submarine warfare. They were tough, adaptable, and they had great generals. FDR and Churchill were exceptional leaders. Um assembly lines made more stuff for more men for more technology excess is the key word here dictators are overthrown and discredited and despite this prevailing ideology that the government needs to be in control of a significant amount of civilian operations democracy prevails in what looks like a very rough patch for it so um that's world war 2 i'm not going to summarize it because you know what world war ii is and you just heard it um know that the allies win (laughs) and that it's island hopping and that um the united states got involved because they didn't want to fight on their own all right we're gonna do 35 quickly um until then though it is a departure here i'm pushing the a